Hey, what's going on? Hope everybody's having a really good Friday night. Um, I'm gonna re record like a real quick, quick almost like segment um, about USC 260. And the reason why I'm making this more of a segment than an actual um, serious, you know, breakdown is I like to really do those after the fights. Um, you really kind of get to see the strategies that we know that, that fighters excel at, right? Um, you get to see how <clears throat> they went about to try to implement their plan over their opponents. So I, I just, I really, <clears throat> I really enjoy doing the post-fight stuff. Um, so uh, I picked three fights and I'm going to go um, kind of from the ones that I'm most interested in um, to the one that I'm, or least interested in to the one that I'm most interested in. Wow. All right, I'm going to start off with Sean O'Malley versus Thomas Almeida. Um, interesting fight. Um, <clears throat> Sean O'Malley, to me, has a lot to prove. Um, a lot of people criticize him about the injury, whether the injury was legitimate, whether it was just a calf kick, um, which calf kicks do suck, but a lot of people's argument is, hey, man, you know, um, <clears throat> you see fighters, you know, fight through that, you know, um, Connor, I think, and, and maybe Sean to a degree, um, Connor, I give him a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a pass because of the fact that he has such great accuracy and power in his lead hand. A lot of people weren't really looking to, um, possibly expose themselves uh, by throwing heavy kicks. Um, a lot of the kicks that I think kind of really um, took were more or less kind of like flicking the jab um, <clears throat> to, for the most part, you know. Um, and, uh, but Sean O'Malley has a lot to show. Um, he has to, we have to see if he's got the heart for it. Um, Things came really, really easy for him. Obviously, when a new new fighter, especially a fighter that, um, you know, I know Dana White's trying to build that show, um, and I, it's I think the writing's on the wall. That's going to be the replacement for the Ultimate Fighter. I know they're doing another season. I think they're just going to do it. See if there um, if there's any ratings in it, really. But uh, I think it's just about dead, honestly. Um, Maybe it'd be something that happens every couple of years, almost like a, you know, a special event. Um, but <clears throat> whenever these guys come from uh, Dana White looking for a fight or the Contender Series or even the Ultimate Fighter, you try to build them up uh, because there's a lot more eyes on them. Um, especially as a promoter like Dana White, um, you're giving the blessing of, hey, kid, I think you're going to be something special, which is really, really big. And it's... And it's really heavy pressure to put on a fighter. So these guys get a lot easier fights to start off with. And it's more of, I mean, easier is a, is a relative term. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody's a, a fucking a fucking killer in the UFC, you know. But um, they kind of try to do the boxing route and build them up slowly. Get their confidence moving. Uh, they realize, hey, you know, when you watch these shows, you can see the weaknesses you know, the fighters that are coming into the UFC. At the same time, you see them grow um, and so on and so forth. So 
They really try to hype him up. They try to build him up slowly. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, in many ways, if I think if if longevity in the MMA, as far as being on top, was a lot more like boxing, um, because boxing, realistically, you don't always have the number one versus number two. Uh, in MMA, that's a lot more common. Um, they're trying to. I think it, I think it's starting to steer a little bit away from that for entertainment purposes. But for the most part, still, if you were to compare, um, let's just let's just uh, focus on the UFC. Um, the amount of times that you have the number one guy fighting the number two guy is a whole lot more frequent than it is in boxing. Um, plus, the rankings, some people will sit and say, yeah, they're a little janky, but again, um, some of the uh, boxing rankings back in the day were, were pretty crazy. Uh, just in the mandatory uh, title defenses, uh, I think that really waters down the sport as well. Thank God that they don't have that in uh, MMA, you know, because, um, you know, um, you don't get to have those fights. That you don't get to have uh, immediate, immediate rematches necessarily, like unless you have it written in your contract, right? But if it's a good fight and you guys are like, man, we got to do this again because it was razor close. Well, unfortunately, champ has to go and, and hit up this mandatory, hit up that mandatory. Next thing you know, it's two years later. It doesn't really matter anymore, you know? Um, and that's uh, and that's kind of how I saw it. It's kind of like what I saw with, uh, you know, the, like the Stipe, um, Stipe Daniel Cormier fight, you know? Um, the rematches took a little bit longer, but at least they were more or less, oh shit, man, between the second and the third. They were immediate. I think Daniel had a fight between the first and the second. Isn't that when he... F I think that's when he fought... Um, the Black Beast. Huh. I really don't remember. I, I want to say that that's the case, though. Uh, anyway, so Sean O'Malley. lot to prove. Decent striker. Um, chin up in the air. Um... Not a really big fan of his. He gets hit a lot. He thinks he's slick and uh, does a really good job at slipping strikes, but he doesn't. On plus side, guys, he's very, very lanky, so he's kind of pulling off of the punches, which is why, you know, I think he's finding success. But I don't know. I don't, I don't think anybody really knows what um, Sean O'Malley's chin is like yet, um, and I don't think we're going to get tested necessarily in this fight. Thomas Almeida is a great, great, great grappler, um, and he's got pretty good, he's got, he's got good, he's very stiff in the way that he strikes, um, and the problem is that he can be knocked out, it's, it, that we know, um, he's not going to be threatening him with a lot of leg kicks, I don't, I mean, I think they're going to go for it, because it's, it, it's the blueprint, let's see if you fix but he's not the type of kicker that's going to go and load up necessarily. He's he seems to be a little more handsy. Um, he's got power. Um, he's got technique. But like most fighters, and I don't know if it's more. Uh, he he. If you catch him clean, not not completely clean, but it, it he's he's definitely his chin has definitely definitely failed him. Um, 
But, you know, I mean, he's a great fighter. I mean, he's only been knocked out twice. It's just something um, that I noticed. Uh, I think uh, um, Cody Garbrandt uh, slept him pretty bad. And um, one thing about Cody Garbrandt is he, he does, when he's not going full rage mode, um, has really, really good good movement. Um, so I made a really struggled against an individual who has the strikes now. Garbrandt has significantly more power in his hands. It's not even close. I, I don't care what Sean O'Malley says. Um, kicking wise power, um, I mean, who knows? Um, we are seeing more kicks for Co Cody, but Cody's, you know, just a different guy. Um, but it's a similar, I, I think you can kinda, it, it, it's a different guy because Cody has so much more power. Um, but the thing with Sean O'Malley, my, uh, you know, his kick, his kicks are really, uh, are pretty gnarly. When he strikes, he snaps, he snaps his punches. He does a lot of things while he's moving backwards, throwing straight punches, snapping them, snapping them. And those are the type of punches that I think, uh, Almeida is going to get caught by. Um, I think that if it... Here's the thing, man. If if the fight ends in the first two rounds, I think Sean O'Malley has it. If it goes three rounds, I think I still think Sean O'Malley takes it, but I think that the possibility of Almeida catching uh, Sean O'Malley in a submission increases greatly, which is usually the opposite because of sweat and everything like that. Um, but you know, if he can make Sean blow out his energy, um, I think in the third round, Thomas can really do some damage. And it's weird to say that about a, about a guy who's, uh, you know, finishing the show in the final round who's a grappler. But um, Thomas Almeida is great. Uh, people, people really, really sleep on him for some reason. I mean... He's got four four losses in his career, two knockouts, two decisions, um, and <clears throat> I think he's almost he needs a little something ch like to, to to get him over the hump, to get him moving. I'm not gonna involve any more fighters, man. I was about to go on a crazy ass tangent and stop myself because I was gonna lose probably everybody. Uh, all right, man. Tyron Woodley versus. Vincente Luque. All right, man. So, this is a terrible, terrible, terrible fight for Tyron Woodley. Um, because Tyron Woodley appears to be extremely gun-shy. Um, and he's acknowledged as much. I think he's... I don't know, man. Something, something isn't clicking. Something's not getting him motivated. Not getting him to believe in his ability. I don't know what. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, nobody knows what it felt like to be in there with um, Usman. But man, it changed Tyron um, at every level. You know, uh, he he's just not the same fighter. Um, so he doesn't have that explosiveness and he'll go and he'll he'll try to 
even when he explodes through now, a lot of it is just feints. He's not throwing necessarily the way that he used to. Um, part of the things, you know, I mean, Tyron is a very, very powerful, powerful uh, individual who's very strong, but he also utilizes the velocity that it creates through the explosion in order to uh, increase the rate of his punches, therefore knocking your fucking head off, right? But he doesn't do that, and that is going to be a problem. What I foresee happening is uh, Tyron's going to be moving backwards this whole fight. Um, there's only one way that I see Tyron winning, and that's in the first round, he's got to trust himself. And when Luque goes and um, goes to engage him, he needs to explode right through him and take him straight to the ground. Because that's the only weakness that I really see uh, of Vincente Luque is uh, his stance is really, really upright. Um, he's just uh, he's he's just that fighter. Uh, he reminds me a lot of like in in the way that he there's there's more and more fighters that are that are standing upright um, like this. But you got to be able to have great, great hips in order to do it because if somebody shoots in, you could be in trouble. Now, Tyron is a very, very high-level wrestler. The problem is that Tyron doesn't, isn't exploding in the middle of the octagon, right? So he's trying to take these guys down while they're utilizing the fence. Makes things a lot harder, works them, gasses them. It's crazy. That's why when you go, you engage, um, as soon as the, that, the first exchange goes, man, shoot for those hips and test them. See how fast you can throw him back. Even if he stuffs your takedown at that point, you're going, you're strong enough to where you can mitigate the amount of damage that happens in order for you to scramble back up and reset, okay? Um, but if you don't do that, you're, you're just, you're going to be playing from behind because what you're going to be doing is you're going to try to engage in the clinch and you're going to try to take him down against the fence. Um, you kind of take away the disadvantage that he has with him being so upright. Um, it's going to take that even if he's spot on because of where his hips start and the fact that his feet are more together, it's going to make things a lot harder for him for him to uh, for him to defend these these takedowns. But if you include defense, then he's on an even playing field with a lot of these other guys. All right, so I think Tyron is in, he's in big trouble. Um, Luque is ridiculous. Um, crazy power. Uh, crazy power on punches. Um, I come from every angle. The guy doesn't seem to load up. He's got a great chin. He'll take one um, to throw one. Uh, very old school man, like, I seen him take some shots, but he has so much faith in the fact that he can take that punch that he's willing to sit in the pocket and, and return. Um, even though I've seen him on a couple fights, he would get clipped first. Um, but he trusts his chin so much that when his punch uh, came over the top, it was lights out for the dude, and he was still standing because he, he trusts his chin, which is something that I don't know that Woodley does. Um, the power is ridiculous. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. Um, chin, I was really kind of wondering about that. Um, because if you look at his stance, not only does he stand upright, his head 
his chin is also, um, it's not up by any means, but it seems more, more, more exposed than you would, than you would expect. You know what I mean? Like, typically you want to try to chuck, uh, at least tuck your chin a little bit. And he, he's kind of like, has his chin out about the way that you do when you're walking around throughout the course of the day, you know? Um, but again, he can take a shot. Uh, never been knocked out. Um, he has been submitted. Um, I believe he's a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He is a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, Tyron, I believe, is a black belt. Um, but again, um, uh, Woodley utilizes his Jiu-Jitsu skills more on the defensive than an offensive. And a lot of wrestlers do that. GSP did that for years. Um, one of the big advantages that you have as a wrestler is you have extremely heavy hips. So it's very, very hard to manipulate you, and you're putting a lot of weight on top of um, on top of your opponent, right? And um, so guys like GSB and Woodley and what well, Khabib is just an all-around grappler, but um, guys like that, they'll use um, the presumed jiu-jitsu knowledge and use it uh, as a defensive skill. Um, so the moment you can feel... Um, because wrestlers feel uh, a lot of a lot of the uh, transitions, you have to feel uh, a shift in the hips, um, shift in the weight, in order for you to be able to be ready um, for whatever explosion is coming, so you can counter, right? So these guys know when you're shifting weight, um, especially you know in jiu-jitsu. I mean, uh, it's it's a lot of a lot of scooting your hips in order to make room or in order to eliminate room, uh, depending on which way you're moving. Um, so they feel that they know what's coming and they shut it down immediately. That's why a lot of times people will look and, and they'll be like, oh, why isn't he getting up? Why isn't he doing it? Well, they're trying to, but realistically, I mean, at the best, some of these guys reach for a Kimura, um, just so they stop getting punched in the fucking face. You know, um, you're not going to roll a guy, uh, a high level wrestler like that. Um. You know, so, but anyway, um, this is going to be a great fight. I'm, I'm going to say, uh, Luke is going to, um, is going to win. Um, you know, I, <sighs> Woodley's an interesting character, man. I didn't, I never, I didn't always agree with some of the things that he said in the way that he said them. Um, but at the same time, uh, he really was, he, he peaked a little late and, and then everything kind of came crashing down. Um, but I got big respect for Tyron, man. Um, always, always was interested in this fights, not because I thought they were going to be necessarily the most exciting things, but he's he's he do his game plans and the way that he would go through and execute them. You know, those are things that I really enjoyed watching. It was the same reason why. I enjoyed watching GSP. It wasn't because I wanted to see him to just maul somebody for five rounds, but it was how how he was going to 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 do that. So it's pretty cool to watch. Uh, so yeah, I appreciate Tyron. Unfortunately, I wouldn't be surprised if Luke a knocks out Tyron Woodley. Unfortunately, and uh, and ends that career. Um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of my my big thing. Uh, my big takeaway from this is going to be, um, can, can Tyron 
become more than a counter striker who's backpedaling the whole fight. Um, because Tyron is a great counter striker, but he's also a great explosive um, striker. And I don't think he does either one of them terribly well when he's consistently moving backwards. It's not a dance, you know. I mean, it's supposed to be a dance, and it's not. It's it's become very, very one-sided where he's backpedaling, he's unsure, he's not really throwing. Um, sometimes goes into crazy panic mode and hopes he can pull it off, but I mean, I don't, I don't think he'd be happy with a single one of his performances lately anyway. All right, Stipe and Francis, here we go. All right, both fighters have done a lot of things um, to improve their games. Uh, if I was to say which fighter physically is in a better position um, from their first fight, I would definitely say Francis. And it has nothing to do with how big he is. It has nothing to do with anything like that. It has to do with the wars that uh, Stipe's been in. Um, but when Stipe first came in the, in the, in the UFC, I was really, really, uh, really excited. Um, you know, you, uh, you heard big things, boxer, baseball player, super athletic, um, Croatian. Man, I was really hoping he was going to throw a, a head kick right off the get-go and, and, uh, and become the next Crow Cop. I, I was stoked. Um, and Stipe delivered, man. He was really, really, he's really good. He's got great footwork. Um, doesn't really get caught in too many bad spots. You know what I mean? Um, and he fixed one of the things that wasn't really never cost him um, I think the Daniel fight um, maybe that's part of it the, the, the first Daniel Cormier fight um, but I think honestly it was just a clean shot um, Stipe used to do a lot of striking with his, with his chin up um, you could see it when uh when he clipped like Verdum, now granted he was moving backwards, but I mean his chin was straight up in the air. And Steven will sometimes go into these exchanges. Now once he gets into a pocket, he he, he made the adjustments. Um, one of the biggest adjustments that I see from Stipe though is chin placement, um, tucks it. Now he doesn't tuck it like, uh, excuse me, I'm really thirsty. Um, and I'm being yelled at for not drinking enough water. Um, Stipe, uh, chin up. Oh, so he doesn't tuck his chin the way that Daniel Cormier would, right? So Daniel, um, for a lot of people, um, now when you look later on in the fight, Daniel was spent. And the last two fights, one of the things that I think really surprised uh, Daniel, which is why everything came down crashing so fast is I think for the first time his cardio absolutely failed him both times so when he ended up um, getting caught towards the end of that uh, you know towards the end of those fights he was he was done and one of the things is man when you're getting your especially when you're fighting somebody like like Stipe man you're you're exhausted and you're wrestling on top of that you're doing everything right so we're not talking about you know, just a one-style fight. Um, when you're doing all that, um, 
and you're getting jabbed by a guy like Steve <laughs> over and over and over again. Especially like, yeah, just I mean that's 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 his that's he's he's very fundamentally set, always working the jab. Eventually, like everything else, man, you're gonna be tired of fucking holding your head up, and then that's when you see Steve clip Daniel head goes. Um, he has zero control over it, and uh, that was the end of that. I mean, Stipe caught him clean as hell too, man. Uh, I'm not making, I'm not giving anything. I'm not saying Stipe can't can't uh, catch somebody and hurt him. Um, I think he hurt Ngannou a couple times in the first fight. Stipe can definitely crack. Stipe just isn't. He isn't a guy who's going to step and he's going to knock you out with a single with a single punch, man. He, he's a combination guy, you know. Um, and that's and that's awesome. He's 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 very different. One of the things also is his footwork. He's very very light on his feet. Uh, knows how to cut off um, how to cut off the cage, and also knows how to backdoor out if he needs to. Uh, great cardio. Very very rarely uh, early on he does. Like in the first round, I would say he does. Um, but as he gets rolling, you see him. Uh, he needs less and less resets in between exchanges. Um, so, uh, very quick hands. He's not fast. He's not fast. Steve A by no means is fast. Um, he, he looks like he should be because he's so much leaner and smaller, but he's not. Um, it's, he's got, he's got quick quickness in his hands if he's exchanging in or exiting out of the pocket. You see him really, really kind of go with the speed. Um, but yeah, I mean, him, his defensive tactics have gotten better. Daniel Cormier isn't known for power, but if you look at the punches that Daniel threw in that fight, um, they would knock out Fair amount of fucking people, man. Uh, Stipe took it, man. He's got he's he's got he's got very good defensive tactics. I don't know how good his chin is necessarily. Um, I mean, Verdun kind of caught him. Like I said, uh, I see Daniel caught him. Um, but his cardio really helps him. Um, he recovers very fast. Uh, so he's very very. Um, he's got all the tools. But this is the hardest fight of his career. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, Daniel Cormier um, was great. It is, uh, in my opinion, Daniel Cormier is one of the greatest fighters. Uh, I'd probably, man, I, I might actually put him in a top five because he he's that good, he's that gifted. He learned that fast. People forget that when he first came to this fight force, he was a wrestler, man. And as soon as that tournament was over, came into the UFC and you saw him slowly start to transition into something more. Um, very smart dude. Uh, great, great fighter. Um, but that was that was a fight where there were dancing exchanges, right? So it's when you have a dancing partner, um, obviously you want to lead the dance more than they do. But in that that particular, those particular fights, I, I felt like it was 50-50 um, for the most part. 
Daniel didn't come out guns blazing. Daniel came in, put pressure, um, but it gave Stipe enough time to think, react, uh, and counter if need be, right? The problem with Francis, Francis is, is that Francis for the first round is gonna lead the dance, allegedly. I don't know how much he's worked on his takedown defense. I would imagine that at this point, he would have uh, put in significant amount of mat time to keep himself upright. I would hope. Um, but Francis is a guy that the entire fight, you are on your P's and Q's. There was a fight that happened, uh, it was Whitaker versus, son of a bitch, man, what's his name? It starts with that. Uh, let me look this up real quick. This is going to drive me nuts, so, um, uh, yeah, I just need to know. Uh, as soon as I figure out how to use my... Darren Till. There we go. Yeah. So the Darren Till um, fight versus uh, versus uh, Whitaker, um, both of those fighters came out, and they were like, this is the most stressful fight I've ever been involved in. This is this is really, really, really uh, draining mentally um, because of the fact that it was a chess game the whole time. That's kind of what Stipe's facing. He's got to mind his P's and Q's. He's got to get his in. He has to tire out Francis. But he has to tire him out smart. Uh, he, this, isn't, this isn't the same Francis. Francis has never technically been flat-footed, but when they fought the first time, he was a whole hell of a lot more flat-footed than he is now. You see him up on his toes. You see him change the direction. He's very, very light, very quick. Um... Still really commits to his punches, which is I think is going to, again, if he worked on his takedown with his strength, I think he'll be able to um, be extremely competitive in those grappling exchanges. But um, if if he if he's not up if he's not up to par, um, he's gonna see his ass on a on a mat on a regular basis. The UFC wants Francis to win. They don't mind Stipe winning, because if Stipe wins, I believe this is his third, this is the second time he's making his third um, uh, title defense, which is a record, um, three. Uh, so he's doing it for the second time. And I don't think he's going to do it for long. I think, I think he's finally being accepted, and I think if he wins this fight, I, I could see him maybe doing the John Jones thing, and then after that, being done, he's. I think he's. He's either thirty-five or thirty-six. So he's not. Uh, he's not. He's not a spring chicken by any means whatsoever. Um, the biggest bad news for Stipe is the movement of Francis. Um, Francis, super light in his toes. No longer does he walk down his opponent and try to swing at him because he knows in the first round, he touches you, you go to sleep. That's the end. So he thought he was immortal, like the fucking Terminator. Now, he's, uh, if you look at like, uh, I just talked about Tyrone Woodley. If you look at Tyrone Woodley in his prime, Tyrone used to have the same issue. He used to gas all the time. He's a fucking giant dude. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> so he's tired out all the time. And that's when his pace changed. That's when he was, hey, 
I'm gonna throw a couple leg kicks, throw a couple jabs, throw some feints, and then explode through and pop you. Francis is starting to do the same thing, um, and I think that's going to be a big problem. Um, you know, is a tough dude. Um, I This is a 50-50, man. I love what Francis brings. Francis brings Mike Tyson in MMA, okay? You have a guy who's, who's a fucking killing machine. He's terrifying. Um, yeah, and, you know, that's what you want your sport to be. But at the same time, for, you know, having somebody like Stipe. Stipe's always done the right thing. Stipe, um, UFC was pissed at him for a little bit because he was, uh, he was unhappy about, um, he was unhappy when he was going to get the, uh, when he was trying to get the rematch against uh, Daniel Cormier. And... He basically was like, hey, man, I thought we were going to do a rematch. We're trying to fight Brock. Uh, I don't know. I still, I can't remember if that's when he fought Black Beast. Uh, yeah, he had to have because he was a fucking heavyweight champion. Yeah, so he fought Black Beast. Um, so he was very, very upset, and he was very vocal about it, and rightfully so. All right. So then he goes and he wins the fight <clears throat> against uh, the rematch against Daniel and... Uh, you know, Daniel's getting impatient. He wants to get the fight done. And Stipe was kind of like, hey, man, you know what happened? And then they tried to make the fight happen. There was a couple of delays that were kind of out of their hands. And the third fight was what the third fight was, which was outstanding. It was, uh, it was an incredible, incredible heavyweight fight. Because, you know, that's... The heavyweight division has always kind of been uh, maybe top guy, maybe top two guys, and then really after that, you see a major fall off uh, of competition. Um, and I think now you're seeing these super awesome competitive fights. You know, um, I mean, I think at one point you had, uh, this is just a stupid example. It's, it's, Dumb, it just popped into my head, so I thought I'd share it. Uh, I think Tim Sylvia at one point um, defended his heavyweight title against Cabbage. Um, that's because there was no depth in the heavyweight division. As the other divisions grew, um, you know, the light heavyweight was, was really, really popping. The heavyweight division, for the most part, was. It wasn't. The top guy was always was the top guy, um, but then he started to see, um, you know, Junior Dos Santos was the biggest was the biggest um, adversary for Kenny Velasquez, um, and uh, they had wars, man. And Junior, unfortunately, never was the same. Uh, neither was Kane, really. Um, but you. You know, those guys carried that load. Um, because when Brock was champ, yeah, he fought Dan, uh, he fought Couture undersized. Um, uh, Herring undersized also, realistically. You know, um, and then he started getting a little bit more upper echelon competition guys that were coming in. Uh, Alistair Overeem came in. He's kind of been that guy that... Uh, that is a great measuring tool. You know, you got Francis, um, 
you know, doing his thing. Uh, you got Derek Lewis doing his thing. It's 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 one of the first times in my memory that I, I really feel the heavyweight division is catching up with the other divisions. Uh, it's funny, the light heavyweight division actually right now is probably, um, as far as the male divisions go, is probably, ah, shit, man, it's between them and 185. Um, and it's not that 185 is not talent-filled or anything. It's just, <laughs> it's so locked up because these guys that are um, fighting each other, um, you know, you have a guy like Till, Till fought Whitaker and, and uh, Whitaker won. So Whitaker gets bumped. You know, he was already, I think he was already like number two in the world. Number two or number one. Um, so he didn't fluctuate much. Till was like number four. He maybe dropped a spot. Those guys are so good um, that you don't need a lot of them. It just looks, if you look at numbers, right? If you were to take out the roster, these are the guys that are elite at, let's say, 155, right? It'd be a pretty significant list, and you do that uh, at those two weight uh the heavyweight and um, light, or the, I'm sorry, light heavyweight and uh, middleweight middle division, um, you know, the numbers aren't that great. Um, but there's definitely competitors there. Um you know, I think I can't wait to see Whitaker. Uh, I want to see Whitaker and Adesanya do it again. I think that that's the next next thing. But anyway, that's completely different. So yeah, man. Um, this is a toss up fight for me. Um, I like both of these dudes. I think both of these guys are incredible. Um, man, you all know in the first round. You know, um, you all know in the first round. Um, Stipe could catch him immediately but also at the same time in that first round you're going to see different avenues that Stipe is going to try to present uh, as challenges for Francis um, I think you're going to see some um, you're going to see a lot of you're going to see a lot of movement some feints uh, for takedowns, feints in general. I think both of them are going to be calculated. Um, my thing is, is that at least twice in that round, Francis is going to explode. Steve again, strike backwards. He's got very, very, um, like I said, he's got those snappy punches. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, and they you know, so he can keep him at bay. He can still jab while moving backwards. Um, he's, he's, he's actually very good at that. And without his, his footwork when he's moving backwards isn't the, the greatest, the cleanest, but um, it's very rarely that you're gonna go and you're gonna, you're gonna catch him in a, in, a, in a position where, you know, um, he's gonna get tangled up or uh, get caught up in a position where he's not ready to take an impact. He's very, very smart. He's very good circling out, too. He's got to keep his ass off the uh, cage. Um, obviously, he needs to keep this fight in the center. Um, I think as long as he can move and use his defenses um, and set up those takedowns, he'll be fine. Um, the problem is when you're three takedowns in, 
you're realizing, oh shit, man, Francis looked, learned how to defend a takedown. Um, endings could go really bad. This is such a fun fight. Um, regardless of how it ends, if it ends in 20 seconds, if it goes five rounds, regardless who wins, I cannot wait. I'm going to be watching this. There's some other good fights. Um, Khabib's cousin um, is also fighting. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not really. Uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, you know which way this kid's gonna go. Um, you know, it looks like he's had some some success, but um, we'll see. Uh, I know that uh, Khabib is uh, uh, full in a training mode now, so um, we'll see if these guys how, how they evolve. I'm really, really interested. This this card overall has a lot of really, really good fights. I focused on those three because honestly. Um, those are the three that I figured everybody kind of knew, um, at least one fighter out of each fight. Um, so that's what I, that's kind of what I see. Like I said, after this fight is over, uh, I'm going to do kind of like a wrap up, uh, kind of go through, uh, touch on upon some of the things that I said. Like I said, this is just my opinion. These are things that I see when I watch the fights. Um, nothing really revolutionary that you wouldn't be able to notice yourself. I just like hearing myself talk, even though I'd never listen to myself after this shit, because that's weird. Um, but yeah, anyway, so UFC 260 wrap-up show, I'm going to go through um, these three fights, also go through some of the things that really, really caught my eye and kind of cover the whole show. Um, so I'll probably do that on Sunday. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, be safe.